from that night when I went back to share that story with my husband, we called our broker the very next day. So I was not a broker at this stage. And within the next 12 months, we had um, sourced and settled seven properties in the New South Wales market. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with mortgage broker and real estate agent Kimberly Linder. She and her husband bought nine properties in their first year of investing which kickstarted their mortgage brokering business. Now, they own just under 50 properties and share their strategies with clients in their one-stop investment business. Linda started her investing journey as a teenager without even knowing at the time that was what she was doing. These days, she has a much clearer idea. Been investing now for oh, would be 14 years, and I would say, yeah, we probably have done quite quite a bit. She shares what she gets up to on a typical day, both on work and home fronts. Work, I work very hard, so um, I I own a finance business, um, and we also own a real estate, which I'm not the licensee, so that's pretty much covered um, for me. But I'm also a mum of um, five children, so our life is very very busy. To get to know Linda better, she describes more of her home life and introduces us to her children, some of whom are adults already. And my eldest is 25 and my youngest is 10. Well, my eldest one is a mum of herself with one little baby and another one on the way. So, but yes, they are very good and they're all, you know, help look after each other. It's a beautiful dynamic. Four girls, one boy and no, we did not keep going until we got the boy, he's number three. With kids varying at different ages plus running the business, there are a lot of juggling of priorities. I have an amazing husband who helps out a lot um, at home which allows me to be the full-time worker and um, Jason also works within our company so uh, we're just very good at um, I guess being being organised. Taking a step back, Linda delves into her childhood and describes where she grew up. I grew up in Emu Plains, so that's um, Lower Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Local primary school, local local public school, lovely childhood, one of two and um, I guess a very basic normal childhood. With Emu Plains being on the lower part of the Blue Mountains, we find out if she ventured out of this area during her childhood. I would say we stayed really within you know our local area. I guess going to Sydney was a treat for us um, but yeah, really stayed around that Emu Plains and Penrith um, area. I went to uni to be a um, PE teacher, so did two years at um, uni and got offered some job in um, got offered a job in the modelling industry. So I actually ditched uni with the plans to go back, and um, that's the path that I pursued for for a few years. PE to real estate is an interesting path. Linda explains how and why she began studying physical education. And while leaving that route was the best decision she could have made. I think I saw it actually as quite an easy job. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I look back now and I think that that was the very best decision that I ever made, not um, continuing on that journey because I would never have had the amount of children I do today and I would never have done what I've done in the finance world and the property world. Mm-hmm. 
If Linda's story wasn't interesting enough, she shares about her modeling career and how that came about for her. I got my hair cut once and um, they basically said, hey, would you come and do um, a show for us and got headhunted and that was it. So. It's not something that I discuss very often with many people, but I guess that was the time of my life when I was very young. That went on probably for three or four years of my life. And in that industry, you really don't have to work very hard. So apologies to anybody that is in that industry and you can make a lot of money. So I guess I was very young and I was earning a lot of money and um, I was renting with a couple of my girlfriends at the time and I was thinking, man, I'm earning all of this money. I should be buying the property and have my girlfriends renting from me. So starting to earn that kind of money made me start to think about what I could potentially do with that money and I hated paying rent and I hated thinking that I was paying somebody else's mortgage. With that, the wheels turned and Linda began her journey into the property market starting close to home. I bought my very first property in Penrith for $121,000 um, and I started charging my girlfriend's rent and the rent that they were um, paying me was completely paying for my mortgage. So essentially, I was earning, owning the asset and somebody else was paying for it. And I was about maybe 18 or 19, maybe almost 19 when that's when I first bought my first property. Linda clearly began working hard at a young age, choosing to invest at a time when her peers were renting. She shares the inspiration and motivation behind this. Well, I always listen to my father and my dad is the hero in my life. But I always say my success in property is because of my dad. Now, my dad would tell me so many stories about for example, oh, your mum and I, we nearly bought a property in Foster. The unit was 70000 and I think, I'd think, oh, aren't they 400000 now? But he didn't do it. Oh, Kim, we nearly bought this property in X suburb and now it's worth this. We nearly bought the property across the road. So I remember from a really, really young age thinking, wow, if I get an opportunity to buy, I'm just going to do it because if my dad had have done it, our family would have been rich by now. So I guess I kind of went the other the other way. And I know that there's always two people in every relationship making the decisions and I just thought, I'm going to make that decision, um, you know, and, and did multiple times. <laughs> we find out what happened after her modelling career and how that led her into investing. I had lots of babies, so um, that obviously... <laughs> that career was out the door. I had my first baby quite young at 20, 22 years old and so then I um, was a stay-at-home mum for up to four children and um, so it wasn't until we were probably close to 30 that we, we started to invest so I was basically just looking after my kids. I had a little part-time um, retail business that I only worked a couple of days in as well as I was instructing aerobics at that time, seeing nothing to do with property and um, yeah, and my husband was a full-time income earner. So we sort of had a break for about, I don't know, 10 years while we were raising a pretty large family. So we've always been self-employed and my husband um, was a landscaper and, and by trade but also in the um, like building bricklaying industry. An entrepreneur at a young age, Linda's first foray into business was an unusual purchase in an unusual location. 
I had a little halfway house on a golf course, which I had been running, well, really since I was about 14 years old. First started sitting under a tree, um, serving sausages to the golfers, and then that actually became an actual shop. So we were involved with that little business probably for about 21 years. So it was only a three-day business, but it was an awesome um, business to have part-time and also, you know, be able to focus on our kids. So we set up with a barbecue and some eskies under a tree. And this is one of the things I'm most proud of actually in my life. So we set up, well, actually bought the business for $500 off some other kid that started it at 14. Um, so we would just go every Saturday and Sunday morning. My dad would drive us. We'd set up our barbies, set up our eskies, and we would just sell um drinks and um, sausage sandwiches to the golfers and then um, maybe five or six years later the actual golf course built a little shop for us and then they put us put us into that so that became I guess my life for a lot of um, a lot of years which fit in really well with you know having to you know my main focus was my children. Coming up after the break, we dive into Linda's foray into real estate and what got her started in the industry. So it was that moment for me that I went, wow, this is my way in. We weren't earning massive money, but I went home very excited, spoke with my husband, told him what our friends were doing. She shares her experience and advice on buying entirely within one area. And property, it's it's about it's about timing. So, and I think it's about um you can't buy anywhere that's just um, basically running on one or two industries. You need to know that it's a vast economy, you know, itself. She discusses her motivation and drive behind why she does what she does. The broking is a really good story. We, I just fell in love with buying property and I wanted to continue to buy more because I saw that as a vehicle to get us to where we wanted to be, which was a comfortable life for ourselves and our children. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, Property Investor. Is your cash or equity currently earning you 1-2% to per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a high return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. With those early exploits under her belt, Linda shares how she stumbled across finance broking and how it ignited her entrepreneurial flame. Well, this is an interesting story. So, I guess I, invo- I evolved as a broker. Um, my, I guess, big moment when I decided to get into property was um, when I spoke with a client who, not a client, she, she's a client now, but she was just a girlfriend um, having coffee with a school mum. And she talked to me about an investment that she had bought in Penrith. And she told me that she was getting a return of just over $500 a week. And that was for a three-bedroom house and a two-bedroom granny flat. I almost fell off the lounge and I'm thinking, what? How could you possibly get a return like that? So it was that moment for me that I went, wow, this is my way in. 
we weren't earning massive money, but I went home very excited, spoke with my husband, told him what our friends were doing and um, realised, did all of the numbers because from a very early age, I was always a numbers girl, did the numbers and realised, wow, even on 7% rates back then, I worked out that if we bought property like this, somebody else would pay for it. So we weren't then limited to how much we could own if we could make somebody else pay. So that was my, I guess, light bulb moment. Um, from that night, when I went back to share that story with my husband, we called our broker the very next day. So I was not a broker at this stage. And within the next 12 months, we had um, sourced and settled seven properties in the New South Wales market. We were like, wow, this, this works. Why would we just not do um, as many as we possibly could? Um, and just as an example, we were buying properties in the Penrith market back then at anywhere between 230000 to 300000 Every single one of those properties that we still hold would be worth anywhere between six and $900,000 today and that's that's in 12 years. Next, we jump into Progression Real Estate and how she got into brokering. The broking is a really good story. We, I just fell in love with buying property and I wanted to continue to buy more because I saw that as a vehicle to get us to where we wanted to be which was a comfortable life for ourselves and our children. So, um, obviously, we hit the wall in terms of capacity to borrow. Um, I was using a broker, but I was using one single broker from a single lender. And I thought, oh, we have enough transactions now. I'll become the broker and I'll get my own money. So I simply became a broker so that I could finance our own own property. So if they said no, I said, well, let's let's find a way we can get them to say yes. So that's 13 years ago now, which feels like, you know, two. Um, and I learned so much, which so many people don't realise. So many people, they say it's easy. Let's just stick with, you know, St. George or Westpac because I like all of my lending in one space. The one thing I learned when I became a broker was so many banks have so many different policies and what you can lend with St. George is not necessarily what you can lend with NAB. So structure, when you are a property owner, if you want to keep building your portfolio, the most important thing is you need to be able to structure so that you're not hitting the wall and nobody's saying no. Linda goes on to explain why structures are so important and how it works. Let's say, for example, you've got five properties and you, you're with one bank only. Their capacity, so their servicing calculator might tell you, sorry, you cannot borrow anymore, you're at your max capacity. So if you're using a broker too, as opposed to just a normal bank, a broker should be able to get you a solution as opposed to a lender. So say what NAB or St. George or Westpac could borrow, could lend you, you may be better off with a solution-based lender that is taking your actual repayments into the capacity as opposed to most lenders are taking into into um, they're, they're taking into account your 
principal and interest plus a margin, sometimes of up to three plus percent on what your interest rate is paying. So your capacity, I have one client that I've just done servicing for and I'm like, it's not about the rate. If you want to keep going, it's about who's going to give you the money. So for this particular client, they're at a negative $4,000 per month with a major bank. They're at a positive 104000 per annum with a second tier lender. Not 100, yeah, per annum. So about 10 grand a month capacity. So um, the, the who you, I guess, surround yourself with in order to continue to grow your portfolio is absolutely everything. It seems like a no-brainer. To get the deal, you go with the one who can give you the money. Linda shares her thoughts on whether half a percent matters at the end of the day. You know, and if you've got to pay, you know, half a percent more, well, you're still you're getting the money. You know, over 10 years, it, it really fades into insignificance. And when it comes to investment, really, the rate should be the last. It's always good to get the best rate, but if you can't, you don't say no. After such an incredible beginning, Linda shares how many properties she currently has in her portfolio. We, I think we're 42 at the moment. Investing can't always be sunshine and roses and Linda is no exception. She shares a challenging time she and her husband faced in a town dominated by a particular industry. It was in 2012 and um, it was our first purchase out of state. So we went to uh, an investment seminar and were really wowed by the speaker and I guess we went in quite blindly. Um, that was in an area that was predominantly um, a mining-based industry. So we made a lot of money very quickly in in rent return in the first 12 months and then we lot of, made a lot of money in terms of capital very quickly after that. So um, that's probably one of my worst, well, the only bad investment that we've made. Um, but with every bad investment, I think you learn a lot of lessons as well. And I guess the lessons that we learned from that was you need to do your own due diligence. Don't be wowed because somebody tells you something is the way that it is. It's not necessarily actually the truth. Um, and if you're prepared to invest solely in an area that's driven by one industry, you need to understand what's going to happen to a property market if that industry goes away. Within the first 12 months of the investment having gone so well, we discover what happened next. Well, the value has dropped. So that property is now, still today, we still hold that property. That's probably worth maybe a little bit more than half of what we um paid for it but we're lucky because we have one poor investment whereas all of our others they hold obviously the shortfall in the rent now for that property and we've got the time and the income stream from the other properties so you know we'll just continue to hold it and enjoy the tax deductions but um I would hate to be somebody that's bought solely and wholly just in one area but it teaches you that diversification is everything do you think that industry will ever come back at all? I don't know. I'm not confident but um, at the moment, you know, it's one of those strategies where we'll sell with a capital and sell with a loss and one will write off the other. So, we're in a good position where the effect overall for us is not is not huge. 
and property, it's it's about it's about timing. So, and I think it's about um, you can't buy anywhere that's just um, basically running on one or two industries. You need to know that it's a vast economy. You know, itself anywhere you invest. Yeah. Moving on to a more positive note. Linda shares the additional light bulb moments she had that set her on this path. The main aha moments is when there's an opportunity, do your numbers and if the numbers stack up, you proceed because you don't, um, you can't grow if you don't move. So I think I think that's it. And another aha moment is don't proceed. Don't not proceed on something if something somebody wants another five thousand dollars. So that's probably one of our biggest lessons with properties: the amount of times we've missed because we wouldn't go that extra five thousand. That's probably cost us five hundred thousand. So um, yeah, that's. But I would say my main aha moment was when I did speak to that person and I realised here's the strategy. To go to go forward, and then I guess as you keep investing, you grow. So you start to learn so much more about you know tax lessons and depreciation and how everything can affect your situation as as a whole. With forty two properties in their portfolio now, the lenders have a specific strategy behind picking both their properties and their locations. We were went really hard in the New South Wales market um, to start with and I think that was really good that we did that because that was our local market, it's what we knew. Um, so that was I guess the first part of the strategy and really the first part of the strategy was just if it doesn't have a second income, we don't buy it because our income levels were not huge. Um, we had a lot to lose if people didn't pay their rent. So. Our starting point when we started investment was a lot different, you know, 12 years ago than, than what it was now. And then um, we looked at once we had the seven, we need to diversify mainly because we had a land tax problem. So then we started to look out of state and um, because we had a lot of positively geared properties, which meant at that point, we were um, pa- we had a lot of passive income coming through. We had the luxury, I guess, of buying properties then that didn't have um, those two income streams. So then we sort of diversified into the Queensland market. Um, we looked at and we, we got into the Queensland market when it was at a low point, which is one of my main strategies. I am never buying when other people are buying. I am buying when everybody's terrified to buy. So we hit the Gold Coast market when nobody was buying, did a lot of due diligence and realised that waterfront property, which, you know, everybody knows is always going to grow, waterfront property that was, you know, selling back in 2008 was selling for less in 2013, several hundreds of thousand dollars less. So most people realise that, you know, whatever it was selling at, you're going to make up that value and then it's, it should keep keep going. So we got in in the Hope Island, Century Cove markets um, and went really hard in those, those areas when pricing was really, really low, which is probably one of our best decisions that we've ever made ever in property. And then um, we had a land tax problem then between Queensland and New South Wales and then we sort of um, diversified a little bit into the Victoria market. Um, We picked those markets really, really well and we we did really very well in a very fast amount of time. 
Um, and so they're really the three states we're most heavily invested in. Our strategy now is we don't need any more property. Um, we buy predominantly new because we started to have a tax problem and obviously the depreciation schedules are now helping to um, reduce our, our taxable income. We're at a point where my husband's now about um, banning me from property. So he wants me buying shoes instead. Well, that's a great problem to have. <laughs> yeah. So um, so what we do a lot together now is um, we're doing a lot of, obviously we've sold a few invest, investments. Cash is king when it comes to developments. So now we, we have a development company where we basically buy and, and subdivide and we we sell. So we're just um, in a different um, phase, I guess, of our of, of our journey. Yeah. Many investors move into development next as it's often seen as the next level up. Linda shares more on the development side of her projects including the recent subdivisions. We're just doing some like little mini developments. So we've been land banking quite a bit of land for a lot of years now. With the understanding, and obviously this is the the broker in me talking, where any development, obviously, if you have more cash, means more profit in the bank um, later on. So we've we've got a lot of we've banked a lot of land, which we'll start to develop. Um, so we're, we're doing things like um, chopping up sixty acres at the moment, um, and uh, then we've we've done like a small mini development up up in Queensland which is was just like a one big block which we've subdivided into four so we're just basically um I guess making the money that we've made now make money from the money that we've that we've made 60 acres is phenomenal Linda shares how they came across this opportunity and how they knew their plan was possible to achieve that's my husband. He's gone and sourced that and negotiated that. So, and that's very close to where we where we live. So, it's an area we know well. We have a real estate. We own a real estate business as well. So, it means obviously the sales can run through through our own business. Um, yeah. So that's mainly my husband that that does that. Not not so much me. <laughs> you can have him on next time. Kimberly Linda's story continues the next episode of Property Invest Story. Join us for part two where she shares her thoughts on banks versus brokers. You need to look for a solution and the solution is using a broker. Anybody that's using a bank to build their portfolio, nothing against banks but they're not trained to create a solution. How staying rooted in one spot physically and metaphorically may not be the best strategy. The one thing you've got to, I guess, remember is as your portfolio is evolving and your life and your income, you have to evolve your strategies as well so that you're getting the maximum results in different phases of your life. She delves into the hot topic of young people getting into the property market. Major reason they're not jumping is because the parents are saying, oh no, it's too unaffordable, you simply can't. We are also in a... In a a rate environment that we have never seen hysteric historically. Money is cheap, affordability is high. So me buying property or when you probably bought your first property, it was a lot harder then than it is now. And that's next time on Property Investory. 
And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short six months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.